Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the From the Clubhouse podcast, as ever, sponsored by TaylorMade. We are in US Open week, but we're not going to talk about that because we are your antidote to tour life, talking about the things that we hope you're talking about up and down the country, arguing about in bars, your golf, how to get better at it, how to learn more about the game we all love. And as ever, I am joined by my regular co-host, Steve Carroll. We are back, aren't we? We had a week off last week. We do have a week off. But we are back. Uh, we can get into why we had a week off in a minute. Um, you, you've been, I've reading on our website, you actually following through on this commitment to submit every single general play score. I, yeah, I am doing it, yes. How's that um, I think I'm, I'm four rounds in now um, with a fifth coming up this week because we've got a trophy comp and I'm playing in it. Um, mixed bag. My handicap went up. Uh, I then had a very strange round where I shot 46 on the front nine, which was 11 over par, and 36 on the back nine, which was one over par. So I actually thought I was going to get cut because I had 37 points, and then I did not get cut, which apparently means I am actually quite well handicapped currently. So I cannot claim to be a single-figure golfer. At the moment, I am... An 11.6 handicapper who's playing off a course handicap of about 13, and that appears to be accurate. Right. So you're getting closer to where you think you ought to be, or not? I'm not sure yet. We're still we're still a little way down the line. I'd like to put 20 scores in under this new arrangement to get some more accurate measurement. I mean, I'd, I'd think off the top of my head and the way I've been playing over the last year. I mean, this is the first time I hit handicap playing off a white set of tees for two years, right? So let's not get carried away. I mean, it's like once. <laughs> um, my average score has been around 15, 16, 17 over. It kills me, but it is the reality. Um, and I suspect I'll probably end up around mid-figures if I don't show some sort of improvement. Um, I am actually starting to get out of my torpor. I'm sort of so disgusted at the fact that I might slip from nine to fifteen that I'm resolving to do some practice because I'm just, I'm just, I can't. I've just got to, I've got to at least, tr- I've got to at least try and arrest the slide, haven't I? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean that that is an interesting thing about it is that it sort of forces you to be honest with yourself about where your golf's at and might actually motivate you to get out and practice a bit more. You've also been playing some match play. You were mumbling about earlier. I did. I, I played. I played my what has turned out to be one and only match play game of the year. Um, <laughs> opening round of the opening round of the pairs knockout got beat four and three. Um, we were two down after two. We got back to level. We were level after ten, and then I think and then we basically self destructed. And I, I've got to be a bit careful because me and Egg Sandwich Man are still friends. Um, but I did get a bit cross. At various points, I am known to be to sometimes sulk when things aren't particularly going my way. And um, we both played the eleven bad, the eleventh badly. My my shot just got caught on the wind, and then my partner hit it exactly the same place. Despite me saying to him, "Did you see where the wind went?" Then hit it just exactly in the same place. But then on twelve, I absolutely buried my drive left. I mean, it was dead. Um, he hit his slightly right. It was going to be blocked because the trees sort of cover part of the fairway. 
Um, and our uh, our opponent, one of our opponents, hit an absolute monster. It was a monster of a drive. He had about 50, 60 yards in. So my partner tried to hit a one in 10 shot, really, like a hybrid under the trees. And he basically just basically hit the second tree and went straight right. And I, 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 I must confess, um, I got a bit cross about that. He said to me, I had no choice. He was so close to the green. I was like, you've just got to put pressure on him. You've just got to put some pressure on him. You can't. So we just, we, I mean, both he and I did it. We were both to blame. We both just did down tools after that point and started giving holes away. So are you, saying, are you, saying, are you trying to tell me that you drew Egg Sandwich Man in an official club comp? No, no, no. He's my partner. Oh, I see. Right. He's my partner. Um, I did say to him at the end, I'm not. I'm not sure that we're sort of well suited to be partners together because we tend to do the opposite of what we're supposed to do. So instead of just working as a pair, we just basically do whatever we want, and it usually ends in disaster. And, uh, that's all right. So you're out of the you're out of the better ball. Yeah. So all you... I've got now is stroke play. Right. So what? Uh, and you were refing last week, weren't you, in the English seniors? I was. Yes, I was very. Lucky, I was invited to be part of the team at the English Senior Amateur at Old Woodley. Um, so I was what was called a shadow ref because England Golf had their team of referees. I'm not on the England Golf panel, um, so they, I, 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 they were. Uh, it was really gracious of them to let me come along. I shadowed a lot of their refs. I covered for them in positions when um, where they went to lunch and things like that. So I did, I did a, a lot of rulings. Um, but as I was saying, it was sort of all the drama but none of the fear because there was always someone with me basically if I needed them when I was making a ruling but I mean I've done a lot of tournaments now I sort of know what I'm doing um but anyway um it was a really good experience it was really good uh, if you haven't seen some of the pieces I've written on nationalclubgolfer.com please have a look at them uh, we took a look at how a course is set up for a tournament um took a look at how referees deal with pace of play and how a championship golf course is set up from day to day in terms of hole locations and things like that. Some really good behind the scenes stuff there that you'd never know happens when a when a tournament takes place. But it was a privilege to be part of. Um, really exciting end. Um, went to a playoff. Um, phenomenal golf. Different golf, I think, to to what you see when the young guns go in. I mean, some of these guys can still really get it out there, but they golf their ball extremely well. They're very straight. They get it round. Excellent short games. Some really good scoring. If you go around all Woodley and sort of three or four under par, you've played some really good golf, haven't you? So, um, yeah, yeah. Ex- excellent to be part of it, really. And um, hope I hope it'll be the first of many. I do have some ambitions, Tom, for refereeing, but I've got to get on a panel at some point, somewhere. And uh, one of the pieces you wrote was about pace of play. So do you have to do any pace of play... Yeah, so I mean, it really is the main part of the referee's job. Everyone thinks we run around doing rulings all the time, and and the reality is that there's a truism about refereeing that it's sort of like ninety nine percent boredom and one percent panic, which which is true because you 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 end up not doing a lot rulings wise for the chunk of the day, and then you might get called over to a flurry all at once. So mostly, what referees do is they monitor pace of play. So if you think about all Woodley. Um, the English amateur, English senior amateur had 288 players. They were split at two courses um, before the final third round. So you had 144 at All Woodley, 144 at Panel. You've got to get these guys round. 
Um, so you're teeing off at half seven. The last tee off is at half three. You've got a 50 minute starters gap in there and you've just got to make sure that play flows because if you get a traffic jam, the whole thing can, can, can go to rack and ruin really. Um, you know, the one thing people don't like, particularly in tournaments, is like hanging around on every tee and every shot. So it's a mixture of um, keep trying to keep players to timesheets. They've got a maximum hold time and a maximum length of round time that they're supposed to stick to. So it's about just making sure players flowing, trying to sort of work out any hot spots, trying to figure out any problems that are on the course. So we, we had a problem on the 10th that was caused by players teeing off too late for reasons I'm, I don't need to go into, but that was causing a delay on eight, a delay on nine, because everyone was trying to, to go on to the par five, Tom in two. So you have delay on eight, delay on nine, then delay on 10. And if you let these things yeah. keep going on, no, suddenly, you, suddenly your 4.12 maximum time ends up being 4.45. Everyone gets annoyed. Everyone walks off. Everyone sulks because it's, it's too long. So pace of play is like the most important thing I'd say a referee does. These guys were brilliant at it, absolutely fantastic, just encouraging people, cajoling them if they had to, you know, warning them. I don't actually think we got to a stage of officially timing anyone. can't remember now off the top of my head, but um, it all seemed to work pretty well. That's really good. I was, to be honest with you, I was following the scoring on um, Golf Genius when I was away. There's obviously, I don't know, a dozen people that I knew that were playing. I was absolutely staggered by the size of the field. It's sort of quite heartwarming that people are still turning up to give it a go at uh, whatever they are, 50, 55. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was right up to into the mid-60s, I think, as well. I mean, people were balloted out, right? Right. The, the, hand, the handicap limit was low. I think it ended up getting up to, because of some reserves came in, I think it ended up getting up to 2.9. Right. But there were 80, but I think the tournament organisers were saying to me there was 80-odd players balloted out. Amazing, isn't it? So, yeah. so there was 360-odd tried to enter. Yeah, yeah, that was absolutely amazing. Um, that'll be me one day, hopefully, if I make it that far. Well, we have to be fifty-five, so you've got another decade, yeah. yeah, yeah. Unless, I mean, I mean, they're talking, aren't they, about moving the senior age limit down to fifty? I mean, well, it's they, obviously fifty in the PGA Tour champions, isn't it? I think they probably ought to do because the sort of mid-amateur golf has basically all but disappeared, hasn't it? There is still an English mid-am. Yeah, it's Logan, isn't it? I think that's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it always clashes with my club champs, and that's about it. The British mid-amateur no longer exists. Obviously, the US mid-amateur is quite a big deal. You get a master spot, don't you, and all sorts. Yeah. A clever thing I thought they did at Old Woodley was they had age prizes. Yeah, so you had, like, yeah. you had like 55 to 64, I think, might be a bit. And then over, there was like two category age prizes, which I think was good because I think the big fear of opening up to 50 is that they'll actually swamp the older players. I mean, yeah. some of the younger players, 55, cause they can still absolutely get it out there. So yeah. if you put a load of 50-year-olds in there as well, I mean, can you imagine letting you loose on or Woodley at 50? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's really good. Great occasion. Um, I was in Ireland. Thank you for asking. I uh, understood. Well, that, that is why we didn't do any pod last week because Tom was uncontactable despite the fact that he was only about 350 miles away as the crow flies. Apparently they, have, apparently they have no internet in Ireland. Either that or he was entertaining himself every evening with Dan. Well, I did I cheat know. on you actually because I did do a podcast with Dan and Clyde Johnson who was the architect of one of the courses that we played. That is betrayal of the highest order. So we'll have to find a home for that at some point. Um, it's an amazing trip. You're going next week, aren't you? 
I am. In fact, I think I'm going to some of the same places you did. Yeah. We should talk about it briefly. I really want us to do a podcast about um, the anatomy of a golf trip because there's so much to it, isn't there? Like what you pack, what what sort of variety of courses you play, how, what is the right amount to try and jam in. Uh, I'd like us to get into that maybe when you're on your trip next week and all of these issues are sort of fresh in your mind. We had a great time, the highlight of which was definitely um, St. Patrick's Links at Ross Penner, which opened last year. So uh, Tom Doak and... We spoke to one of his key shapers, a guy called Clyde Cunning, who regular listeners will know well because he kind of he's done work at Moortown and Old Woodley. Um, and the golf course is just absolutely epic, Steve. It's it's five hundred miles wide off the tee, basically no force carries, just like unbelievably playable golf course. Um, think it might be as long as six six off the back tees. They've just resisted the temptation to put in any sort of silly championship tees. It's got these enormous like swaying very very slopey greens that they keep like at a very sensible stimp to make them puttable it's one of the coolest holes in the world is a bunkerless par 317 where it's all just about the the shape of the land which makes the hole um, what it is obviously there's some pretty stunning views the whole thing's just set in this like bonkers dunescape it's i think i think it might be my favorite ever golf course um it just we played 36 holes on a beautiful day and you could have just kept going it was absolutely amazing um, so I highly recommend that people get there. And I was very excited because my new tailor-made clubs had arrived. Ah. So you are, I, I, so what have you got then? Take me take me through your new well, I've had, I've TM had, I've bag. I've had like the full the full service. Um so we were out in um Carlsbad in California a month or so ago and went to the Kingdom, which is kind of tailor made's um absolutely unbelievable fitting facility. Uh across the road from their headquarters in in, in California. Um, so they get lots and lots of tour players go there for their for their own club fittings, particularly when there's an event in the area. They've got this absolutely ludicrous trackman range where they've got multiple trackmen that um, track the flight. They pass on information one to the other, which tracks the flight of the ball. And we had this sort of facility to ourselves for the afternoon um, with a couple of their um, tour reps. Um, and it was just a mega experience. Um, and you kind of do it even if you didn't get the clubs, but um, I was, they kindly said they would send me the clubs. So I'm just absolutely staggered by some of this stuff. So I've, I've been in Cleveland wedges, like for, I think I'm on my fourth, maybe, uh, iteration of RTX um, wedges. And I've always, when anyone says, do you want to test these wedges, do you want some new wedges? I always say, no, thank you. I am very happy with my Cleveland. And wedges, obviously quite a personal thing. Um, so I've sort of been a bit two minds about this. But I've got these like absolutely mega, um, I think they're called MG3 wedges. Um, and they're they're beautiful looking things. They don't look dissimilar to my Cleveland's actually, but they've got just the right amount of bounce on. I've been and played with them maybe 10 times now. And that's absolutely awesome. So I'm delighted with them. Um, and like I always do when I go to fittings, I'm always wanting to try and get fitted into a blade. Um, and we had to go with everything basically. But I'm in, I'm in the players, I guess, what would you call it? It's the kind of, the players I'm with a little bit of help in. Um, so again, I'm coming out of Mizunos. I wasn't fit for my Mizunos, just to be clear. Um, but they again were the sort of players I'm with a little bit of help in. They have always struggled for loft. I've always struggled for spin out of them. Um, and I've never felt that they kind of, they don't come off like you would sort of expect a Mizuno to do. So I've got into TaylorMade P7MCs, the 23 model. Um, 
and absolutely brilliant. So it's it's um, they're one degree weak, so they're kind of basically standard lofts, and they're one degree flat. Uh, and I just sort of feel like I'm getting that little bit more launch on my irons, which is helping me in terms of spin rate, helping me in terms of a kind of more natural looking shot and a more natural landing shot. So I'm like properly delighted with my irons. Uh, and I've got this Stealth 2 fairway with a mega heavy, mega stiff shaft in. Um, so I've never been a big three-wood person off the tee. Um, but now I've got this three-wood that I can launch. It's got tons of loft on it, obviously. Uh, but it's got a really stiff shaft in. So I feel like I can go at it, not turn it over. And it's coming out flat and almost no spin. So it's it's a brilliant, been a brilliant tee club for me. And I've gone into the Stealth 2 um, Plus driver. So pretty happy with that. And I've got this very fan- fancy Ventus TR Red shaft in it. Uh, which has got a lot of sort of help at the bottom of the shaft, despite being a very heavy, stiff shaft, which I think is just what I need. So the whole experience has been awesome. The three woods are a very interesting club, I think. I'm hitting the three wood as long as I'm hitting the driver, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm really pounding it. Um, it's a, it's a very it's a very interesting. I've, I mean, I've obviously got the Stealth Two HD three wood, and I've got the same shaft, which is the even floor shaft got the same shaft as i have in my driver the idea is that that shaft just holds me back a bit i can get a bit quick on the backswing so it just the kick points a bit different so kind of kind of solves my worst tendencies but when you hit it it goes an absolute mile yeah so i was very happy i was so happy in fact that i, I came, to the, came to the office on uh, friday afternoon the other week and i had quite a bit of admin wanting to get through it and then this box arrived and i was like mm, that box is from TaylorMade." so i then put it in the boot of my car drove directly to the golf club uh, so motivating things aren't they new clubs so I'm, I'm absolutely delighted I'm going to do uh, some social stuff on it because it's a real privilege to have uh, that gear it's proper the other thing I've got a question the other thing they're talking about actually sorry is the golf ball so we were coming into the, they put me in the slightly spinnier golf ball and I was getting 300 more RPM spin with my driver out of this slightly spinnier golf ball and that's material with the driver that really helps someone like me who can't spin it so the whole the whole thing was like like proper, proper experience to go to somewhere and, and have a, a proper thing. I mean, there is an important question though. Are you a, are you a queue off the rack kind of guy when it comes to this stuff? I mean, you've got quite a big competition. No. Two weeks, two weeks today, isn't it? No, I'm not at all. Uh, well, I, I think with the irons, the wedges and the three wood, I have definitely been. Um, I've had to wait for the right shaft for my driver. And the guy said, I like this as well. He said, you've got your release patterns a bit like uh, Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka. So that was a good thing for him to say. Apparently, I'm very tip sensitive, Steve. I, I have no idea how to reply so to I have, that. I have sleepless nights, basically, about driver shafts and getting the, but the big. On. The big tournament we're talking about is um, Open Regional Qualifying at Old Woodley, where Tom may have made a huge mistake here, but uh, apparently I'm caddying for him on that day. Um We'll have to work out tactics because I, I sort of fit. I am a genuinely like loquacious guy. I'm very well known for chatting mm. a lot. I'm not really sure this is what you want at open regional qualifying. So my my current my current sort of state of mind on this is to basically say absolutely nothing whatsoever apart from like be a child like the old children speak when spoken to. However, I think that might be just as unnerving for you as well. So yeah, yeah. So the um. Uh... I have got that coming up, and I think I'm a sort of I'm I'm different now. I think I'm, my testosterone levels have reduced. I.e., I'm shitter at golf than I used to be. I'm certainly trying less hard. Uh, so I'm I'm probably looking forward to that. It'd be 
be a cool thing to do again. Uh, and I've got literally no expectation. And I'm not like going out worried about what I'm going to shoot, which I always have been previously. So we'll see how it goes. But the big the big competitions tomorrow, Steve, I've uh, I've been drafted in last minute into the um into the team champs. Which Division is, four? What? Division four, division three? Uh, what are we on now? Have we got promoted, so I think we're in three. Hmm. So um, you're I mean you are going to be up against some hot competition actually, and there's gonna be some proper, proper players in that. You you um you need to explain the team for the team championship format in New Yorkshire to people how it works. We're the, the likes of Driffield Golf Club, thirty six holes, team of three, all scores to count, medal. So it's brutal. So it doesn't matter how bad a day you're going, you can't in R, you've got to record your score and literally every shot counts. It's a it's a disaster of a day. Uh, to make matters worse, the seniors team champs is on the same day. So our squad's been decimated because most of our decent players are playing for the seniors. Hence, I'm back in the frame. If only you had a plus fit three handicapper who'd like be delighted to play in this kind of event, but apparently can't because she doesn't have an appendage. <laughs> what with being a woman and all, she's not allowed. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that's for a different day, I think. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that'll be good. Though. I'm looking forward to that as well. And then I'm dashing back for cricket training tomorrow night. Anyway, there's been some massive news, hasn't there, in the last week? Two very big news. Previously uninterconnected golfing bodies have come together in a, a shock to everyone system. Interoperability's here. That was supposed to be a rip on PGA Tour and Live. I'm not sure it quite worked. Yeah, I sort of got it, but I think you probably needed to have said PGA Tour Live and then sort of cycle through to interoperability. Okay. You were a bit fast. Out, you were a bit fast out of the blocks, weren't you? Okay. Um, I worked out that, that that as of today, it had been 935 days since the launch of the World Handicap System. Uh, I think it was November the second, 2020, that it was launched. I think in anyone July. else in the country has worked out that it's been 935 days since the launch of the World Handicap System. Yeah, I was I was looking for something for an introduction, and then obviously that thing's been posted today, and I've realised that that will that number will be out of date in as we record about nine hours time. So I've had to I've had to fudge the number after doing all the calculations. But anyway, nine hundred and thirty-five days since WHS was launched, and finally the thing that we all hoped we could do from the start, um, we are now able to do. We can submit general player handicap scores digitally. Um, no matter what part of GB and I that we live in. So as long as you're playing at an affiliated course, as long as you have a marker that has a membership number with one of the four golfing nations, doesn't matter if you're in England and they're in Scotland or you're in England, they're in Ireland or whatever combination, um, you will be able to put in a general play score digitally um, using the various apps. Um, it's This is... T- I, this has taken too long. I'm, I'm glad it's finally here. I'm really happy it's finally here. I understand the reasons why um, there have been delays. There have been all sorts of problems, geolocation, software, and, and, and stuff like that. But um, this this was the bit, Tom, that I was waiting for at the very start. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad it's finally here. But it has been a frustration that it's taken this so long to get here. Could... Let's just try and pick it off in chunks then. So... First of all, so we're specifically talking about um, interoperability. So I think we should try and explain what interoperability actually means. And it's like 
it's one of these things where why do we get these words that sort of come out of these things like we've also got a tester haven't we to do with world handicap system it's like do we need these words what does in, in what does interoperability mean and can you think of another word we could have used hmm um, I am going to suggest it means the ability to put scores in between different countries. In one app? In in this case, GB and Ireland. Because it's only, at the moment, it's only GB and Ireland um, that you can do this digitally. So the World Handicap, it is important to point out at this stage that the World Handicap system is still not world in the way that some people might think that it is. It obviously is a World Handicap system. It's used all over the world, but... You know, the I, you, I don't think at the moment you can go to Spain and Portugal and put your scores in digitally. It's worth it's worth saying that interoperability means the ability to submit a score digitally because you could always submit a score before, right? Well, well since last August in England, you could do it manually. Um, so you could do it with the old bit of card. It, it, was, it was convoluted. Um, there was a process that you had to go through, which was very helpfully explained on England Golf's website, but... Um, there was a process you had to go through. But the thing is, uh, it, it's, it, the scorecard debate is a really fun one because when you talk to people about like putting score scorecards in digitally in their club competitions, they go absolutely off on one. No, not doing this traditional bit of paper. And then when you talk about going to another club and putting a scorecard in, it has to be done digitally. But anyway, we're there now. Um, that way, that's what it means. Um, so why and why do we need it? Like, why is it important? Like for you, for you. Um, for your club golfer who's playing 90% of their golf um, at their own golf club and they're probably submitting cards mainly in comp on competition days, why do we need to be able to submit these general play scores when we're off having a nice time on our holiday? Where's the sense of adventure, Tom? I mean, like, if, if I, I personally um, have always liked the idea of, like, going to the old course in, in obviously in St Andrews and testing myself with a score that mattered, taking on the old course with a score that's going to appear in my handicap record and it's going to be there. And if I have a really good score, I'm going to be able to show it off to all my pals on the dashboard. Look at what I did. Look at look at look at what I did at St Andrews and look at what it did to my handicap. And I, and I think for, for those who enjoy traveling, enjoy playing golf, enjoy playing a lot of golf courses, but want to put in meaningful scores, then you now have the option to do that. And I, and, I, and I do think that for some people, that will be a very attractive thing. For others, for, for, the, for the players who never, ever put in a handicap score anywhere apart from their home course and have got no intention of going abroad or, or going to Scotland or going to Wales or wherever and, and doing a, a meaningful score in the sense that I use that in, in inverted commas, they probably won't make any difference to them. But it's just a nice thing to have, isn't it? It's nice to have the ability to do it. I mean, it is, yeah. I don't, I don't really know when the right bit of this podcast to talk about my experiences. So, as ever, I am terrible at uh, saying one thing and doing another. So, I also wanted to, to submit every general play score. And I had a week's holiday in Ireland last week where we played over many times, six times. Um, and we set out saying, right, let's try and submit all these cards. So, first of all, you, you can't do it easily. So we were saying, well, what we'll have to do is take a picture of um, the scorecard and send it back. There are no pictures on your scorecard, but you can send a picture of your scorecard. Um, send a picture of the scorecard to uh, our club pro, because we don't have a handicap secretary, um, and he can then input the scores manually. First of all, that's an awful lot of work for one person. So we're sending him basically 16 cards or whatever across four days. 
Second of all, there's no guarantee he's going to do it straight away. So one of the amazing things about the app is you get this kind of instant feedback, don't you, that your handicap literally changes at midnight, which I think is a pretty cool thing about the system. Um, but then this general play thing, and to the point about away golf, like, so we're playing like these gigantic, like bonkers links courses, like dunes in the sky, greens ridiculously slopey. You don't know what sort of weather you're going to get. We actually got perfect weather. Um, pace of play is like at the back of your mind. Like you obviously you're away. It's not a serious sort of competition day, so you kind of got there's a kind of there's a certain pace that goes with that with that sort of golf. Um, and I, I actually played pretty well, and I shot sort of mid seventies. I think most of the rounds we played, apart from one very hungover round on last morning. Um, so I'm, I'm saying that if I'd submitted my cards, I don't think the impact on my handicap would have been huge. We're playing at courses with high high course ratings, and I was broadly speaking two or three over par at each of the places we played. But I didn't submit the cards because it we like hold out all the time. First of all, that becomes a real bind, I think. Um, so like you literally hold like tapping two inches in and stuff that you just want to flick away. Um, we're trying to work out how long we thought it took to sort of knock in sort of foot, foot and a half putts rather than just conceding them as you would do in match play. It also kind of removes the colour a little bit from the trip, right? So you can't say, oh, today we'll have a match play or you can't, there's none of that strategy around gimmies. Um, I don't know, it just sort of, it it changes, changed the thing a little bit for me um, trying to do it. Um, Perhaps one of the big blockers is you're not, putting the scores into your app and once you got into the habit of that it'd be different but it is obviously a really good thing that we now have it so why 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 did we not have the ability to do this in the first place uh, well, well let me just come back to one point there because you were talking about it feeling a bit strange you know sort of trying to put in general play scores all the time and, and, and that is that is a thing it definitely is i think if you're with people who are all doing the same thing it's a bit easier um, but I find I've found myself over the last sort of three or four weeks saying to playing partners before we go out, I'm going to put a score in. That means I'm going to have to hull out all the time, um, which in a social game when other people aren't doing that is a bit weird. You know, they're sort of standing around beside you, sort of waiting for you, as you say, to sort of tap in your 18-inch, and I'm, like, walking around from three angles, giving it, like, due care and attention because it actually counts. Um, and and that is that is a bit of a strange experience. And maybe I'll get used to it, or maybe the people I play with will just come follow me and basically start putting all their scores in as well. But when you've got some who aren't and some who are, there's a definite there's a definite it's not a problem that's not the right word but there's a definite um weirdness about it um because it holds up play a little uh, to answer your question I, I don't know it fully um i've asked this question a lot of times um i asked it with um england golf's handicapping team when i was down there last time uh definitely moving to dot golf which is the new zealand software firm that now all of the home nations are on has been a help um, it's a bit quicker to get everything sorted out if everyone's playing from the same song sheet software-wise. Um, geolocation has been an issue. I mean, you know, is if you just think about the way that the, the way the digital app works, it sort of geolocates you and it timestamps everything. I mean, I suppose that sounds very easy to us. I imagine it's a bit more complex to get that right across a wide area. Um, so I, I know that geolocation has been part of the problem. Otherwise, I'd just be speculating, but... I, 
I, I think the I think the problem with this in general has been that it was a it was a pretty well highlighted part of WHS before it came in. It was one of the things that everyone was talking about. And so when it didn't happen on November the second and then hasn't happened over the period of nearly a thousand days since, it's been an easy thing to kick the system about. Oh, well, how can it be a world handicap system when I can't even put my score in from England to Wales? Do you know what I mean? I mean, right, right enough as well, isn't it? And, and the other... um, so, hope, so hopefully, Tom. Sorry, just to finish off. Hopefully, Tom. It's a great day that it's in. Um, hopefully, people will try it and they'll really like it, and and we'll get some some positive stuff from it. I'm sure there'll be people who are saying it'll keep the cheats charter going, but. You know, if you're prepared to go from England to Wales or England to Scotland to sort of boost your general play scores, well, you've got you're a bit more Machiavellian than I am, um, and so hope, hopefully that this will be a, a genuine addition to WHS and we can all enjoy it. Well, I think so, and I, I think we're sort of making related points in that there are lots of barriers. This general play, all this stuff's related, right? But this this kind of like reticence to submit general play scores. If there's something in the way of doing that, obviously it's another reason not to do it. And that was definitely my experience in Ireland. I think that if we, if we'd have set off looking up the courses we we're playing on an app, saying right, we're going to record our scores. You've done it then, haven't you? You've got no choice, so you're off and running. Um, and I think rather than it being a sort of cheat charter, there's quite a lot of people who, presumably, particularly um, independent golfers, who must pay a, a quite a big percentage of their golf on lads' trips once or twice a year, right? Um, yeah. But the more scores that you can collect, and the, the, the more easily you can make make it for people to do it, then much the better. So yeah, I'm delighted it's a thing. How do you actually do it then? Is it like easy to do on the app? Yeah, apparently so. Um, so you can read all about how to do it on our website because I've written an explainer which says everything you need to know about submitting cross border scores in GB and I. I sort of feel like I sort of feel like I'm stopping people clicking if um if if I give away all these secrets here. So I'm not going to tell you everything. The one big thing about it is there are two big things about it um, that are different to the way you would do it now. And it depends really on one of them one one of it one bit depends on um who you're playing with. So if you're playing, if I'm going over to Ireland next week and I decide to put a general play score in um, and I'm playing with somebody in Ireland, I, I won't be able to search them by name. I'll have to, I'll have to input their membership number when I try and find a player and then it'll bring them up. So you can't search, you can't search for sort of outside of your home country players by name. You have to do it by membership number. And the other thing, and this is quite a cool thing I think about it, is when you finish the round and you sign the scores, the the the, the, the marker has to sign the score as well, and they have to sign your phone. So you have okay. to give them your phone, and they have to sign your phone. Um, is that and I think that's that, 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 that again, applies, I think, uh, if you're if you're playing with someone from outside of your jurisdiction, if I've got that wrong, I'll be getting lots of emails from from EG and various jurisdictions. But that's a pretty cool thing, I think. You know, you have to actually. It feels like a scorecard to me, almost. You know, right? I've signed my score. You've confirmed it. Right now, you actually have to sign my phone. So what are they what are they trying to guard against there? You sort of picking up a holiday friend, and then they're not really caring whether you've submitted the right score or not. Yeah, and and presumably as well, there's the. Um, you've got to be in the same place, right. right? To sign it, you've you've got to be in the same place. You know, you can't be 
two and a half hours down the road, sitting in your bedroom, oh, yeah. saying, yeah, fine. I mean, all that stuff was already there. You could already see geolocation and timestamp of both Golfer and Marker. It's always been there in the EG app and the other apps, presumably, as well. But I do like the idea from a sort of security point of view that someone has to be stood beside you and doing it. It's clever stuff. Um, anyway, amazing that it's here. It sort of makes me want to go on a golf trip and try, try it out. Is that reason enough to go on a golf trip, do you think? Well, there's never a, there's never any bad reason for trying bad, to go on a golf trip. It's bad news for you, isn't it? Because you've got now you have to submit next week's scores. As well. Are you playing on your well, own? Well, not this. Well, I might be. Um, but no, well, no, I'm playing in the NCG event at um, oh yeah at Port Salon and Ballyliffin, so I can definitely put my scores in there, can't I? Because I'm actually playing in them. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it means it's now fixed from a tournament point of view as well, so we can affiliate our Golf Genius software with diff- different unions. That'd be good. I will talk to the powers that be at NCG Top 100s to see what happens. I mean, I would like to put some of the scores in. I'm playing five rounds of golf next week. It would be quite good to yeah, yeah. have some of them count if possible. You come back off 20. Um, so that's fixed. That's good. So what are you saying still broken then? What else is in the kind of to-do list of WHS, in your opinion? Hmm. Broken's too hard a word, is it? What else requires refinement? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I think I do think that we need to clubs need to be better educated on what they can do to fix people who are manipulating their handicaps. And I know there's I know that various handicap authorities, including England Golf, are doing a lot of work about this at the moment. I think what we have at the moment is we have a lot of people moaning on social media about handicap manipulation, saying general player scores are all bent. Uh, no one should be allowed to put a general player score in. I've got I've seen this player whose handicap scores and general player are way higher than competition scores. They're obviously cheating the system. So everyone moans about it and then nobody does anything about it. Mm. There is a bit of there is a bit of people just like to moan in this. And there's also, I imagine, a bit of exaggeration because what is real on social media? Um, but also, I think clubs, there are there are probably some clubs out there who would genuinely just, they just don't know the powers that they have. And the reality is they have massive powers if they actually, if they actually find someone, if they've actually got evidence that someone is manipulating their handicap, they can do all sorts of things. And in the handicap software, in the handicap, reports it's all there it's all laid out digitally for you general player versus competition score deleted score intents how many general player scores has someone entered you know there's all kinds of things that that handicap committees can look at within their handicapping software to find people who or to grab evidence about people that they think are manipulating the system and and Maybe I'm reading this wrong. Maybe there are a lot of clubs out there who are doing extremely diligent work to track these people. But it feels to me, if you listen to the whining on social media, that it's just a lot of people whining and then not a lot of people doing anything. A, because people aren't being reported. B, um, people don't want conflict. Or C, handicap committees just aren't quite sure of what they can do. And, And as I said earlier, Tom, they can do a lot. They can freeze handicaps, they can withdraw handicaps, they can stop people marking scores, they can stop people putting in general player scores, they can make people play competition scores only, they can ban people from competitions. I mean, there's absolutely all sorts of stuff that they can do. And I think now, you know, nearly a thousand days into the to WHS, we've got to the point where 
I personally believe it's time to stop moaning about the system. It, it really is. You know, this, this the, the, what people are still saying, we need to get rid of this, we need to go back to Congo. Forget about it. It's not coming. Dream on. You know, we now need to just accept the fact that WHS is here. It's not going away and start using the powers that we've got to make the system work instead of just complaining about it and then hiding. So that, I mean, that was a really interesting thing in the podcast we did with James Leake, wasn't it, where the sort of digital accountability of it all, everything's traceable, like the information that you need to out people who you believe are manipulating their handicaps is available to you. So I think that is definitely a really, that is a really good point. To me, the biggest thing with the, the system itself is just people using it in different ways, right? And, that, and that's just going to lead to varying results. And there's a Sherlock Holmes quote, isn't it? Like, it's never a conspiracy, it's always a coincidence. And like, I think that is true to a lot of this accusations of sort of sandbagging or whatever the opposite of sandbagging is. I think you just have one person, i.e. you, submitting every card they're playing and you have another person, i.e. me, submitting their competition rounds. And therefore your handicaps are going to move at very, 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 very paces. So I think yeah. that, to me that is, the, that is the thing that needs sorting out. Is like, what are we doing here? Are we submitting every card? Are we submitting our, the ones we play in comps and therefore way fewer cards a year. And that, that I think, will mean that we get handicaps that are closer to where they should be for more people. I, I don't think we'll ever get this sorted out. I, I think that because I think that the cultural issue with social golf and competition golf in this country is so profound, it will never be sorted out. We've, we've talked about this before on the podcast, so I know we're treading over all ground a little bit here. And it may be that in the future there are compromises. It may be that... There are more formats that come into play. I mean, I note that next year there's um, the four-yearly review of the rules of handicapping. They, I imagine there'll be changes because there there always are on one of these four-year reviews that you know there have been with the rules of golf that have come through in 2023. So maybe maybe we'll see some changes in format, or maybe some formats will be banned. Maybe some new formats will come in. I don't know. I'm speculating, um, but the 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 the, the what you talk about, the issue that you explain there, will never be resolved in this country. Never. Well, never. Certainly time. not with this current generation of. Well, yeah, certainly not with this current generation of players, right? Because they're just so fixated on the competition season. I'm not. That's not a criticism, right? I'm exactly the same. I'm as guilty of it as anyone else. You know, I pick my clubs up in April and I put them down in October, as far as handicaps concerned. Um, even with this general player thing that I'm doing where I'm putting all scores in, I've, I've committed to it to the end of October. I haven't committed to it in the winter yet. I've hedged my bets pretty strongly. So as, as you said, you know, if I'm putting in all my scores and you're putting in one score in a blue moon, then the reality is that my handicap's going to move up or down a lot quicker than yours does. Yeah, and my point is that then I might say, oh, well, you're just sandbagging or you Manipulating your handicap down, but you're not. You're just doing what you're told to do. Yeah. Um, so that is a funny thing. We're going to have to just touch on the general neutral tees thing. Um, I've obviously got a sort of personal interest in it. Um, I'm going to try and talk to England Golf. I'm going to see the Yorkshire Union tomorrow at this uh, golf day, but trying to sort of understand a bit more about um, why, as a standard thing, that all tees haven't been rate rated for both genders. And I think without, I don't want to go into that too much, but a sort of broader point is I don't really understand why we still have the concept of men's and women's handicaps. Why do we not just have a handicap? What is the, per I don't understand what the, the purpose is in the different, in saying that one's a men's handicap and one's a women's handicap. 
Maybe that's a question we need to get a handicap expert on to answer. Well, I think we'll have to, yeah. I mean, when we've discussed it here, people are saying, well, because women have different parts, but they don't need to, do they? They just need to have a higher handicap then. Mm. I, I think... Uh, I understand the reasons why all teas are not rated for both men and women. I, I'm not saying I agree with them, but I understand them. It's a massive logistical task. Um, it involves volunteers. It is not a two-minute process. There is a lot that needs to go through. I suppose if you're, I mean, I've seen Form V1, which is which is the form that, um, which is the form that is filled out for each hole. Um, each hole that's rated. Uh, there's that form is for each hole of each particular tee. So if you're rating four or five tees, you can have four or five form ones for hole one times by 18. I mean, I, I understand. Um, I understand the logistical pressures in that, but I don't necessarily agree with it. I think maybe, maybe I'm looking at this through rose tinted spectacles is possible. Not that again, not those testicles. No, 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 exactly. Um, but, I am absolutely convinced that because I've written about WHS now for the better part of seven years, um, maybe even a bit longer, um, and um, my my sort of view with it was that this was supposed to be paving the part of this was paving the way for total equality in golf. That it didn't matter if you were a man or a woman, um, you could just go out together and play golf, and handicapping would sort itself out. And I do think for the for a lot of golfers that that is the case that the handicap system does that but there are people for whom it does not um, yeah. and and you know obviously we've got a plus three handicap woman who works for us for whom it does not and and i realize that they are a narrow band of golfers but re, but surely if we're talking about equality for all in golf then that means equality for all in golf yeah. Um, and you can't just, I, I, as I say, I understand the logistical demands of it. I understand the challenges. I understand there's cost to this as well. But what, what are we saying? Are we saying that um, we'll rate all of these tees for men? So we'll rate forward tees for men because they might be likely to play off them. But we won't, we won't rate more back tees for women because the possibility is that they won't play off them. Well, the fact that they're a minority of players is surely irrelevant, isn't it? We either have we either have equality or not. And I hear that there's a debate about equality versus equity, and I understand that. I've read the documentation, and I understand that as well. But surely there isn't equity either if we're telling women that they can only play off one tee and we're telling men they can play off however many tees they like because the length of the golf course is the thing that's dictating whether... Maybe I'm not explaining that very well. And it's no, a complicated no, no. debate, and I might have got this very wrong. If I've got it wrong, I apologise. But it's how I see it currently. And well, I um, think I 100% agree with your kind of opening remarks and that it. I felt like this was going to pave the way to um, the kind of, yeah, a more a more, a more, a, a more level playing field, if you like, and every, anyone could play off any tee. I thought that was sort of one of the, one of the fundamental reasons for the change. Uh, and that hasn't happened, and that's disappointing. So I'm sort of looking forward to having that discussion with uh, the union and with with James again to try and sort of bottom out why that hasn't happened and where it's going to get to. Um, I think the sort of related thing is just to do with is to do with um, handicap calculator. Like my handicap, wherever I go, whatever set of tees I play off, my handicap's the same. It's plus one. It doesn't move. 
which I don't get. And the people I play with who are, you know, whatever they're off, they seem to move quite a lot one way or the other. Well, you're better than the course rating probably at a lot of courses because you're a better than scratch golfer. Um, So if the course course rating is based on a scratch golfer, a zero handicap golfer, and you're plus one, then you're better than the course rating suggests that you would be. So your handicap wouldn't move, would it? I don't think. Right, okay. I do understand that then, I guess. Uh, and I guess with anything new, there's a bit of still a bit of education to do with people. Anyway, it's on the move. We've got interoperability. We've been wanting it for ages. We're delighted it's here. We can't wait to go out and use our app in far-flung parts of Britain and Ireland. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really hopeful that I can do it next week. It'd be really, really good. Um, yeah, yeah. If I can, if I can genuinely put some scores in, because like for me, NCG top 100 events are a bit strange because I get to play with people who are obviously in a competition because there's prizes to be won in our competitions, but I can't win the competition because obviously I'm staff, right? So I can't win my own competition, can I? Um, So it'd be really nice if, if I've got the possibility to have a meaningful round while they've all got their meaningful rounds going on as well, and then we can play properly. Whereas a lot of the time that I go out, I am doing what you would do, scraping putts and stuff like that. And it must be a bit weird for those people. So yeah, if yeah. we're all in a round and we're all playing proper golf together, then I look forward to that. I really do. You'll be in a competition environment, yeah. Exactly. So we've got lots of good, we've got lots of good stuff coming up, haven't we? Um, like this podcast is, is the sort of gift that keeps on giving it this time of year because there's tons of out and about stuff that we're doing, uh, which gives us lots of food for thought. Um, so I'm keen to talk about the anatomy of the golf trip next week. Definitely keen to try and get to the bottom of the general neutral tease debate when we speak to those people. Um, looking forward to hearing about your trip to Ireland. We can compare notes on how many pints of Guinness we drank. I think I probably will drink more than you will. Uh, if you are listening to this on Apple or Android, please do give us a subscribe. It massively helps us. We're directing all of you to those channels now. If you are listening to this for the first time, I suggest you go and check out um, last week's podcast with James Bledge from Hoylake. Fascinating in- insight into what it, what goes into setting up an open venue. Tons of good stuff on the channel there, so you do go and check it out. Have a nice time in Ireland, Steve. Cheers, Tom. Look forward to regaling you with my Guinness dreams when I come back. <laughs> See you later. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>